Hi, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a horror movie every week. I'm Bob. And I'm Ben. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. Second episode of season two, They Live Inside. I like that we're naming things now. Yeah. It helps. It helps my brain <laughs> process everything. Well, it sounds more professional, I it, think. I think it does. But this week, uh, last week we did one episode on horrifying pseudo-documentaries. Yeah, Maybe we watched we got... The Bay. The Bay, yeah. It was pretty great. Movie fucked me up. <laughs> fucked Bob up. He Movie had, fucked me he up. He had nightmares afterwards. <laughs> yeah. But that means we only have two more spots left yeah. on pseudo-documentaries. It's true. And I don't know if any of them are multi-movie. You haven't, I have no idea. They might be. I don't know. But we have three spots left on your fun name for parasites, which is... Stay the fuck... Or get the fuck out of me. Get the fuck out of me. I'm so sorry. I keep forgetting it. That's So we have three spots left on get the fuck out of me, and three spots left on... Possession. These people are demons. These people are demons. I I need possession. to get I need to clip the audio of Alex Jones saying these people are demons so I can show it on the podcast because it's so funny. Like I don't support anything Alex Jones has ever done. I just think he's so funny. Yeah, I know he's a horrible person, but he is so funny. Like there are so many amazing edits of him being a crazy madman on the internet. Well, yeah, because he knew that that sold him. Yeah, yeah, it did. I he's you know. <laughs> Especially if the whole, after the whole shooting thing. Oh, yeah. After there, all the Sandy not, Hook stuff. There's not I, really anything good you can say about him. No, Alex Jones sucks. What you can say is he says such insane bullshit. Yeah. And some of it, because it doesn't hurt anyone or imply hurting anyone, is it's very funny. funny. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. They, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're putting chemicals in the water that are turning the freaking frogs gay. Yeah. Or my favorite is... Uh, Your favorite is? Uh, I'm an American. I'm a pioneer. I eat meat. <laughs> That's some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. Have you seen the clip where he just starts yelling at a guy across the street and charges Oh, him? my God. <laughs> yeah. He's such a over-the-top dude. I'm sure a lot of it's fake. I think he said that during the Sandy Hook trials. I think he was like, yeah, I put on a character. Yeah, which like, I get it, but, you know. Sure. God, maniac. All right. Well, <laughs> I think we got our Alex Jones conversation out of the fucking way. You know. How has you, how your week been, Ben? It's been fine. I mean, one week in the 2023, it hasn't been horrible yet. Nah, it was fine. Work was fine. I didn't want to go. I, I, that's I did enjoy fair. that holiday pay for New Year or something. You know what I just thought about? What? It's a new year. Yeah. Duh. We get our vacation. Have you looked and seen how much you got yet? Get I thought we didn't get it until like a couple months in. No, you. your vacation is usable January 1st. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Ask our supervisor. Oh, I will. I will too because I need to take some time off. I get a lot. You have as much as I did, I guess, this yeah. year. Yeah, I guess I would have had as much as you, yeah. Uh, like three weeks off and then a bunch of days. Yeah, well, the it's thing is, lot. me and Jesse are trying to go to a concert. Me and Evan are going to a concert. I think we should try and go to a convention this year. We should. If anyone's listening has any cool conventions, I've been to only two horror conventions now. Really? Yeah, I went to uh, one in Chicago, which was super cool. Uh, it was smaller, and mm-hmm. they canceled a lot of the stuff because I went in the middle of COVID. Oh, uh, that sucks. Um, but it was super cool because of where it was mm-hmm. so like i could go out yeah. after and go to like chinatown and stuff that's real cool or just walk across to chicago maybe we should go to chicago try and um, go to something in chicago and it was a good convention they had a bunch of people there tony todd was there and i fucking love tony todd i don't know who that is he's candy man oh okay yeah there we go um, you said that name and i was just like i don't know who the fuck he's talking there about. was a bunch of cool people there but it was smaller but they had good panels they had very good panels see at that i want to go to panels so bad and the other one i went to was in frankfurt UK. Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, where 
University of Kentucky is. You talking um, about Lexington? You mean? Yeah, Lexington. You called it Frankfort, and I was like, that is not well, where the University I know, of Kentucky is. I, that's why I specified it's where they use because I knew I was saying it wrong. Yeah, Frankfort's our capital, but Lexington, and that one was bigger, mm-hmm. and it was cool. There was a lot of cool people there. There was uh, your your dad was there. <laughs> Don't call him my dad. He doesn't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. But it's very funny. But does anyone else? Because I haven't said his name. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not even gonna say. It. I'm just gonna let people guess. Well, you call him Papa. I do call him Papa. He's so. I love. Oh, he's so good. I'll give you a hint. Uh, he really likes Toxie. <laughs> Toxie Avengers so fucking good. All right, uh, that one had a lot of cool people there. Yeah, like Robert England was there at that one. That's cool. See, I want to go um, see some of their panels before. Not to sound morbid, before these people start dying. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm like, oh my god. A lot of these really good horror movies, as I think you're realizing, came out in the 70s and the 80s. Yep. And a lot of those people are are, are dying now. So and it sucks because a lot of them are just so fucking cool. Yeah, and we actually have already lost a bunch of them. Yeah, uh, like I'm coming in Romero late. Romero died already. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I want to go to a big panel or a big uh, convention. Me like too. Texas Frightmare would be super cool. But I don't know. It'd be so big. But the thing about the the one in Lexington is it didn't have great panels, I thought. Mm. Like, there wasn't anything yeah, super that sucks. interesting. Um, so it'd be good to go to a, a really oh, fun Oh, I got one. a good convention story. Somewhere that was cool. <clears throat> that I have never haven't told on the podcast. Oh, yeah, go ahead. So me and my friend Troy in high school, we are both very into D&D. Have mm-hmm. been for a very long time. We were actually talking about Critical Role right before we fucking started recording this episode of the podcast. Yeah, Bob has a bunch of... He's wearing a Critical Role crop top. Which That's is, not a crop top. It's a cutoff. It's, it's kind of disturbing seeing Bob in a crop top. <laughs> not in a fucking crop top. I'm just wearing a sleeveless shirt. Sleeves are for bitches. That's a that's a critical role thing. You wouldn't understand. You're, but you don't have the tan for no. For, I'm very for pale. A sleeveless shirt. Uh, <laughs> it was very hot. It burns <laughs> my eye. I'm sorry. But uh, me and my friend Troy in high school, we went to Lexington Comic and Toys Convention. All right. And you know who we got to see there? Who? The DM for Critical Role, Matt oh, Mercer. Matt Mercer. What's he, his actual name? His actual name is Matthew Miller. Okay. But he goes by Matthew Mercer. And I think that he might have legally changed his name to Matthew Mercer as well. I don't he actually He might know. have. It, it's his acting name, so. Yeah. Potentially. But speaking of bad panels, <laughs> this is not on Matt, by the way. I want to put this out there. Not his fault. This is totally the convention just being shittily organized. Fair. Me and Troy were in line to get stuff Matt to sign stuff, which you can see I have a print right up there of one of the Critical Role Campaign 2 characters that's signed by Matt. All right. Ooh. <laughs> and Troy and I waited in line forever. And right as we got to the like to the line before, because basically there was a long line and then yeah. there was a shorter line I in front of it that separated them. And we were at the front of the second line. As soon as we get to the front, Matt leaves and goes to a panel. So we got didn't get to see Matt's panel because we were in line to get signings. Yeah. Matt felt so bad when we got up there. He gave us like free pictures and everything. That's great. He is such. He is the nicest man I've ever met in my life. I will say that's one of the nice things about going to conventions and meeting people is you realize how nice some of them oh, are. They're so nice because dude. they know that like they're getting money just from like existing. <laughs> yeah, have I showed you the picture me and Troy got with Matt? Oh no, I have pictures with some people. They're really bad pictures because I'm wearing a mask. Really? Yeah. This is I. I went to Lexington Toys Comic Convention in 20, 2018, 20, 2017, 2018, 2017. When it was the year I graduated high school. Me and uh, Troy fair went. Enough. But uh, let me see if I can find the picture. It's on my Instagram. Yeah, conventions are fun. My sister and Corey. Is. I would like to go to a a horror one. Yeah, it'd be very cool. It'd be very cool, especially. Yeah. You know. So you, I didn't realize this. The the people, other people in this picture in line. Troy and I met them in that line. We played a mini game of D and D in line on our like oh using our God. phones for sheets. That's that's 
That's cool. That's kind of sad. And then we hung out with them for the rest of the three-day convention. And they were some of the coolest people I've ever met in my life, dude. That's fun, at least. They were so nice. Like, they were really awesome. But yeah, here's me, Matt, and Troy, and then a bunch of other people that we met in line. All right, all right, all right. There's Linnea Quigley. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. I want to see, I want to meet her, because she's so fucking cool. Oh, she's She's super nice. She's done so much stuff, too. But yeah, so, you know, good convention stories. (laughs) I got one with Joe Bob. Oh, see, that one... All I've right. never watched his show. You're literally wearing one of his shirts I'm, right now. I'm wearing now. his Monster Vision t-shirt. <sighs> Man. I like him. We'll watch an episode at some point. Yeah, that'd be There's fun. some good specials on there that I think are good watches. Okay. Um, be fun. Just for like his talking parts. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was kind of our our little <laughs> rant at the beginning. So, Bob, I guess you want to choose your category? Yeah. So- You're, you're, choosing, you're choosing pseudo-horror films again, right? We just did one, and that one was fucking horrific, dude. We double down. We clear it out. If- if I, I don't think I could sit through that again. Well, I, I think I even said it on the episode. I never gonna watch that movie again. But I, I think I told you on the last episode that like, there's no more ocean ones. <laughs> that doesn't make it not scary. Cross my though. heart. <laughs> no, and also the last movie was a parasite movie. Yeah. So that means if I'm not choosing that and I'm not choosing Parasites because we just watched a fucking Parasite movie, I have to choose Possession. And you know I don't want to do that. So just choose another one of mine. Come. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Woo! Trying to fucking bait me into this. No, I'm choosing Possession. Boom. I'm choosing Possession. Possession's cool, but like... It's going to be cool. Is it going to be... I like some of the movies. Is it going to be fun? No. <laughs> it will not be fun, Ben. Um. Okay. Mm-hmm. Possession spot... Yes, you have one, two, or three. I did one in the pseudo-mockumentaries. Yes. Pseudo-documentary category. Two. What's in spot two? Are you sure? Yeah. One, two. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Are you sure you share? Oh, <laughs> fucking A. <laughs> oh. oh. I'm so excited. What is it, Ben? The Exorcist. <laughs> this, you know you know that this movie scarred me, like, unironically. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck me. Fuck. <laughs> I can't I I knew that this would end up on the list oh, probably yeah. because it is such a classic possession movie. Well, more importantly, it focuses on like an individual who's possessed. Yeah, the individual possession. I haven't seen this since I was seven. <laughs> so you don't remember a lot. I don't remember a lot. I just remember coming like walking out of the room crying and telling my mom <laughs> never again. It might not be as scary this time. Because you're <sighs> older. You've seen a couple movies. I'm a little older. <laughs> a last, little older nowadays. Last week we watched The Bay, so, you know, it could be okay. <sighs> All right, F, you want the description? Nah, I like I fucking need it. Yeah, sure. A mother seeks the help of two priests when her daughter is possessed by a mysterious entity. Yep, there, yeah. You good? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Okay. All right, let's All get... Right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to be stressed, right? Like, I knew I was going to be stressed out. You were like, maybe this week will be better. <laughs> and I chose quite possibly. M- I, ch- I tried to get you to choose a different category. You did. You kept. I knew you, you were going to choose movie two this week because I knew you'd go one, two. You think you really? Because I almost did one, three. I knew you'd do it. But then I almost did one, one. I was close. I, w- I thought about all of them, but then I went, it'd be funny to do one, two, three. <laughs> no, that's why. All right. Fuck. It's a 1973 film. Okay. That's really, that might be the earliest film we watched. It's really early. Because what? Black Christmas was 74. Was it 74? I think so. I'm a, I, no, no, I'm wrong. Wrong. I I'm, think it's it was 1980. The 80s. Yeah. I think, no, that's Terror Train. Terror Train was 1980. Black Christmas, 1974. I thought so. I was right. Yep. Okay. But I have that on my digital notes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, 1973. So, this is the earliest film we've watched so far. Only by a year, but still. Uh, that's a big deal. It is. Because it's so early, it's at the beginning of like horror as a bigger genre. Mm-hmm. But two hours and two minutes long. Are you serious? This it's movie's a long that long? Movie. 
I didn't know that. I assume that's the standard length. Uh, I don't know if we'll end up watching the director's cut or what. I don't know. We might. I think it might be a good idea because this is. It's a. It's The Exorcist. It's probably. <sighs> yeah. It's one of the movies of horror. But it's rated R. Thank God. IMDb, 8.1 out of 10. See, I knew it was going to have hella high ratings. It is one of the highest rated horror movies on IMDb. I, I knew it was going to be so high, super high. I heard somewhere the highest is The Thing, but that only has an 8.2. So that God should tell damn. you something. Okay. Tomato meter, mm-hmm. 84%. That's, wow. Audience score, oh. 87%. High, yeah, that's probably So that's eights across the board. So that's a pretty... People like this movie. Critics People like and this movie a lot. Audience, audience members. Because alike. obviously those are all averages, so you're not going to have it perfect. So well, yeah. an eight is about as close as you get to a, a perfect score. Yeah. Um, I've seen higher, but... Only in a few places. Nice. All right. Awards. Oh, this thing probably has a fuck ton, right? And I got, I got him. <laughs> this getting the facts for this movie legitimately took me so long. <laughs> There's probably so many. <laughs> I'm gonna, All right. I'm, can I break the illusion real quick? What? Of something. We were gonna record another episode after this. It's a two-hour movie. Oh, we might. We might. I'm oh. actually feeling pretty good. I feel good, and too. And we're going to be pretty wired after this one, because you're going to be scared. Oh, I'm going to be freaking. And I think this freaking. movie's so cool. All right. 16 wins and 17 nominations. God, they want, They only didn't win one? No, no. Or those are separate? Those are separate. So in total, that's 33. 33 nominations? Well, 33 whatevers. Yeah. yeah. And Holy shit. They only won 16 of them. I, that's still a lot. So if you haven't figured this out, for like awards, if they won any, I wrote down all the ones they won. Okay. And just those. If they didn't win any, I'm writing down all the nominations. Okay. That so makes sense. I wrote down all 16 wins, Bob. God damn. Typed them out. Yeah. Oscar to William Peter Blatty for best writing screenplay based material from another medium. Oscar to Robert Nudson and Christopher Newman for best sound. Golden Scroll for best horror film. Golden Scroll to William Peter Blatty for best writer. Golden Scroll to Dick Smith for best makeup. Golden Scroll to Marcel Vercuter for best special effects. Movie Masterpiece Award to William Friedkin. Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture in the Drama whoa, Category. Whoa, this thing won boast, most uh, Best Motion Picture the year it came out? In, in Drama? In Drama, yes. That's crazy. For a horror movie, yeah. Yeah. Golden Globe to Linda Blair for Best Supporting Actress in a Motion Picture. Golden Globe to William Peter Blatty for Best Screenplay Motion Picture. Golden Globe to William Friedkin for Best Direction Motion Picture. Golden Screen Award. Golden Reel Award for Best Sound Editing, Dialogue. Golden Reel Award to James Nelson, Uncredited, Fred J. Brown, and Ross Taylor for Best Sound Editing and the Sound Effects category. National Film Registry Award. OFTA Film Hall of Fame for Motion Picture Award. God damn. That's all of them. Dude, this thing won two Oscars. That's what I'm saying. Two Oscars, two Golden Scrolls. Yeah, I don't know what the Golden Scrolls are. Or, no, four Golden Scrolls. I don't know what that is. I can look these up if you ever want to know. Okay. But I just kind of wrote them down. Sure. But, uh, it's one of the bigger ones. I think it's a defunct one for actors. Oh. Okay. No, for writers. I think it's writers. Oh, that makes sense. Four Golden Globes. <laughs> Holy shit. A Golden Reel, which I think is for sound. Yeah. And then- This thing won a lot of awards for its sound effects. <laughs> it won a lot of awards for a lot of things. And yeah. then it has a- crap ton of nominations Mm -hmm. but yeah 16 awards that's probably the heaviest we'll have i was about to say this is probably the most like decorated film we've watched yes especially because for awards for some movies i'll write down all the awards i have on like imdb yeah that includes like small film festival awards right sure but these are like 
These are fucking These big. are heavy duty awards. So, all right. Starring. <laughs> I hope I know some of these actors. Ellen Burstyn as Chris McNeil. Uh, you might know him as Lois Farrow in The Last Picture Show, which we know. Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson. Which I haven't seen that movie. Sam the Lion. Yeah. yeah. Max von Sydow as Father Mirren. He's Emperor Ming in Flash Gordon. I haven't seen Flash Gordon, but I know who that is. <laughs> a vaguely Didn't Asian Didn't we listen character. to the Flash Gordon theme song at Flash. work? Yeah, I love Flash Gordon. I don't know why we were listening it's to it. It's so bad, but <laughs> it's so cheesy. Yeah, it's wacky. <laughs> it's great. Linda Blair as Reagan. Uh, she's Brenda in Savage Street. She didn't do a lot after this movie. Oh, okay. Because um, we can get into that if you want, but... Not uh, so great? No, she's a great person, but, like, she has a charity thing for dogs right now. Oh, like, she's just doing she other stuff? Okay. When she's retired, but, like, the way she was treated publicly after this movie was That's what great. I meant, yeah. Like, the situation was not yeah. great. Lee J. Cobb as Lieutenant Kinderman. Uh, he is juror number three in 12 Angry Men. I haven't seen that either. Uh, it's a very old movie. I've heard, I, has I've like heard a of nine point two out of ten on IMDb. <sighs> I was about to say I've heard of it. That's the one. Um, you ever seen something where they go into like a juror room and like one person's dissenting? Oh yeah, that's that's that movie. That's where that. Oh from. really? I didn't know that. Yeah, Family Guy did it. Yeah, well, it's yeah. version of yeah. it. But yeah, super famous movie. Kitty Win as Sharon. Uh, that's Helen in Panic in Needle Park. Panic in. Ne- I've heard of that. Uh, yeah, it's one about uh, like heroin addicts in oh, New York. Okay, from the seventies. You ever want to know when these things came out? I have the. Oh, here. do you? That's cool. Yeah, that's uh, nice. juror, uh, Twelve Angry Men, nineteen fifty-seven. Oh my God, Jack McGowan as Burke Dennings. He plays Ignatius Feeney in The Quiet Man. I've also heard of that. Nineteen fifty-two. Not Never. the new one. Ah, okay. Jason Miller as Father Karras. Uh, he's also Era Parsagian and Rudy. I don't know what that is. Uh, he's a f- Rudy. Yeah, that's about the f- the. I'm gonna call him a football player. It's a really famous like sports movie. Nah. Uh Persegian's like a he was a very famous football player. I think he was like a quarterback or something. I'm not a big football fan. But he, he played for Notre Dame and then he became the coach there for a while. Oh, okay. That's like cool. a Super Bowl championship. Rudolf Schundler as Carl. He plays Professor Milius in Suspiria, which that's I've I just heard of mention that him because he's in fucking Suspiria and Suspiria is great. Oh, is it? Oh, oh. You will not like Suspiria, but I was about to say. Well, you will like it? Suspiria, but you know. Yeah. Robert Simmons as Doctor Tanny, and I'm mentioning him here because he's Proctor in Chud Two, Bud the Chud. <laughs> Bud the Chud. I don't know Bud what that is either. Chud. That's the theme song. Okay. Chud Two, Bud the Chud. <laughs> it's such a bad series, okay. but it's just like New Year's Evil, where it has like oh, a okay. shitty, catchy theme song. All right. Anyways, uh, he's more noteworthy wise. He's Mr. Rosen in Catch Me If You Can. I haven't seen that either. All right. So that's kind of like all the people I wanted to mention. There's a lot of people in this film. A yeah. lot of them have, because of this film and because it's so old, have gone on to do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. A lot of them are dead now. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I was like, I bet you a lot of the stuff they did, almost like... all the people I named, I passed <clears> away. Some of them recently. Really? Really recent, but yeah. But when we watch these older movies, it's so interesting when you be like, also in X, because it, these movies are so old that I'm also like, I also haven't seen that. Yeah. Because I mean, they probably did stuff in like- Not like you've seen anything yet. I mean, anything. Like in the 90s or in the 80s that I just didn't watch. Yeah, most of those movies I I, I referenced were in the 80s and 70s and 50s. Yeah. All right, director, William Friedkin. Mm-hmm. You might know him from The French Connection. I've heard of that. I've not watched it. Uh, it's a, the other one of his films where he, he won awards for. Writer, William Peter Blatty. He wrote The Ninth Configuration. 
I've also heard of that. I mean, these people are pretty fucking famous. <laughs> yeah. They wrote this movie. Budget. Estimated at $11 million. Oh. Wait, Bob. That's, no, but let me just preface. That's like a really high budget oh, for, for this stuff. Oh, for 1973? Even, especially 1973. <laughs> yeah, think about that. Like what? Fucking, that's crazy I high. I haven't done inflation estimates. Um, I do think inflation estimates are like five times. Yeah. So that'd be like a 55 million budget today. That's still a, a shit ton of money compared to everything else we've watched. I want you to keep that in mind, all right? Okay. Box office. Yeah. $441.3 million. <laughs> yeah. Isn't oh that insane? Oh my God. That's nuts. That's insane. I I well I'm gonna talk about that in the facts of why that's so insane. <clears throat> yeah, that's Bob, so much money. It's more than so much money. We'll get to it. Okay. Uh, country of origin, United States. Yeah, okay. All right. So the film is also known as. I'm interested to see what it's also known as in other countries. And this is here's the thing. Oh, in other countries, it's basically just known as The Exorcist or whatever translation of, they have of that. Mm-hmm. However, like many old like American films, yeah, which is I think something I'm starting to notice having looked at this. Older films tend to have a lot more different titles in their country of origin. Oh, like that's just more interesting. Common. Okay, because of dis- distribution stuff and lack of the internet. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. So like in the modern day, the only differences are translation differences. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, they actually had different titles. So different titles for this movie: William Peter Blady's The Exorcist. So they're just throwing his name on the front of it. That was the USA reissue title. Okay. Uh, you know. Like, that's like if they just re-released Halloween said John Carpenter's Halloween. Yes, except this is, it's because, uh, we'll get into that, but that's the writer's name. Yeah. It's the writer's the exorcist. So that was the reissue title. The Exorcist, the version you haven't seen yet. Is that like the uncut that version? That was the recut version. Recut version, okay. So that's the director's cut. Mm. Okay. And The Exorcist, the version you've never seen, which was the USA promotional title. These are all US titles. Okay. I Weird. Thought, I thought that was very funny. It's it's just strange. It's just I, so like okay. the reissue title was Blady's The Exorcist. Yeah. The promotional title in ads was the version you've never seen. Yeah. And then the director's version was the version you haven't seen yet. Weird. I just think that's very funny. Those it are all is the funny. US it's just interesting that they did that because I don't really know that it it doesn't add or take anything away. They're like subheaders. Yeah. Which I think is very funny. It is funny because we don't do that anymore. No. Nobody We're just does like, that. Regular, uncut, director's cut. Yeah. So the fact that they added, like, I mean, catchy names instead of just going director's cut. Yeah. Right. Tagline. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I'm interested. This is where things get interesting. They, they gave me taglines, right? Mm-hmm. But I went with the uh, quote, unquote, tagline it uses on the cover. Sure. So that, like I said, I'm trying to pay more attention to what you find on most mm-hmm. covers. Sure. So when I say tagline, maybe not exactly a tagline. I but hope this one has a good one. Something almost beyond comprehension is happening to a girl on this street in this house. And a man has been sent for as a last resort. This man is the exorcist. Oh, that's good. I didn't like it till you got to the end because it's long. Yeah. It's less of a tag tagline in the traditional sense. Yeah. It's... A lot of these old posters I'm noticing have like small descriptions like a, built into the you know tagline. a blurb on the back of a book yeah they they have those but just on the poster yeah I mean same with um which is different Terror Train yeah. I mean Terror Train basically just explains the plot of the movie it's just like a little blurb like on the back of a book which yeah. by the way that's what that little description on the back of the book is called yeah I knew that. Blurb. I'm an English major. I know things. <laughs> Baby English major. <laughs> Maybe I'm an English major. I haven't called my advisor. <laughs> All right. You need to sign up for classes. So do you. I Why mean, are you giving me shit? I'm not giving you shit. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I need to do it too. I know. Let's say in the car ride a minute ago, you were like, 
you signed up for classes? And I was like, no, he's we like, we have less than a week either. to sign up for classes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm glad enrollment's low. <laughs> right. Yeah. Facts about this movie. Uh-huh. Bob has previously claimed this is the scariest film he's ever seen. That is a fact. I, is I fact number one. That. I claimed that very early on. I think on you said that on our first episode of the podcast. I asked you what the scariest movie you've ever and seen And I'm is. pretty sure I said The Exorcist. Yeah. yeah. So, be interesting when you're watching this. Yeah. More interesting facts now. The film is often considered as a cursed film. What does that mean? Like a cursed horror film. Uh, primarily due to the number of accidents and deaths associated with production. Uh, it is, interestingly enough, even featured in the Shudder original TV series, Cursed Films. Oh, we've talked about that which show. Which is really fun. Yeah. We should watch that at some point. I really like it. Okay. Can I Can I just put this out there? Yeah. This movie isn't like cursed, cursed, right? Like, we're not going to have bad juju for watching it. Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not... I'm not opening myself up to any sort of like. I mean, like this isn't the this isn't Ringu. Okay, it's not like like, like you ain't gonna like... watch it and get a phone call and be like seven days. Okay, so nothing like that going no, on here. So curse films. I'm right? a very. This is gonna sound bad. I'm paranoid. I know. And if this film is genuinely cursed, <laughs> I don't want to also be cursed. So ben. traditionally, right? The idea of cursed films is usually associated with films that have like troubled production history. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. That's, that's okay. basically what this is. I can't explain it as well as the documentary series can explain it. So if you have Shutter, go watch Curse Films. I really enjoyed it. I've only seen the first season, so we should watch that at some We point should watch that. Time. I feel like that'd be fun. Each episode's a different movie. Mm, that's good for us because, yeah. you know, that's our format too. I know. <laughs> Super cool series, though. Super cool if you're ever interested in, like, disasters. I feel like that. film history would also... I just love that. film history. Yeah, so, I know. You know. I know. All right. So the film is based on a 1971 novel of the same name, written by the film's writer, William Peter Blatty. Blatty. Oh, that's cool. That's why the reissue title was William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist. Because he wrote the original because book. Because he wrote the original book and the screenplay. That's super, super cool. uncommon for a writer to also write the screenplay. Which, can I say, it yeah. being uncommon is stupid. <laughs> it makes me mad. No, it makes sense. Does it? Because in my brain it doesn't. So what doesn't make sense is not giving a author some level of creative control over the script, right? That's what I'm getting I at. can get that. However, writing a screenplay is a very different beast from writing a book. That's fair. And so <clears throat> skills in one thing does not translate over to skills in another. Yeah. Uh, it's actually, and that's why it's very uncommon. The fact that he wrote a, basically a screenplay for his book. I don't actually know how good the book is. I, I was a bestseller, I believe. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's why that makes got sense. A movie. But the fact that he was able to do a screenplay and have it be so good that he won like an Oscar for it. Yeah. Yeah. Shows that he's he can do a good job. Of Very it. talented. Writer. The only other author I know who's done that is like I think Stephen King did it. Well, that makes sense because he they pump out <laughs> he pumps out so many he I, pumps he, out so many books he's and also directed his own movies before. <laughs> yeah, he's there are so many Stephen King movies. All right. So parts of Blatty's novel were inspired by the 1949 exorcism performed on an anonymous boy known as Roland Doe or Robbie Manaheim uh, by the Jesuit priest William S. Bodern. Mm, that's... <sighs> in- inspired. They changed a lot of things. But, yeah, you that's, know, that's not great. He heard about exorcisms and he wrote a book about it. Because you have to remember, the idea of exorcisms was known, but it wasn't a popular idea until post-exorcism. Yeah. Like, it didn't hit pop culture. Until The Exorcist? Until after The Exorcist. Also, there's a bunch of stuff with the Pope kind of being more pro-exorcisms mm. around this time. Interesting. I forget what Pope it was. Stuff like that. It's just interesting to think about. All right. Uh, due to casting difficulties, the actors cast in the film are considered as being relatively unknown actors of the time. That's interesting. So while some of them had been in stuff beforehand, they weren't like big actors. Mm -hmm. And while some of them will go on to do some decent things after this, a lot of them were just kind of like low key people. I I find that in a lot of movies that we watch, a lot of them don't have big name actors in them. 
And it, and I don't know if it is a, a positive or a negative, but in most cases that I've seen, it has been a positive because it means I go into the film with no expectations for their level. And if they deliver, it's higher than I expected. And if yeah. they don't deliver, it's what I expected because they're not well known. It's just been happenstance that it's been that way. I, yeah, I guess. Um, there's no issue with unknown actors because every big actor used to be unknown. I mean, yeah, right? that's what I, that's what I'm getting. In at. fact, like from the fact you've. We, we look through this, and some of these actors went on to do some big stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's just important to note that, like, he couldn't get anyone important to be in this film. That's wild Friedkin. to me. Um, but, yeah. So, due to Friedkin's insistence on realism, there are a number of interesting choices in this film. Uh, this includes filming on location in Iraq, despite the political instability at the time of filming. It was. 1970s. Does this movie take place in Iraq? There's scenes filmed in Iraq. Really? It'll be very obvious. Whoa, okay. Yeah, the the beginning of the book is set in Iraq. Mm, okay. First, like, 35 pages, so the first, the cold open is set in Iraq. I don't remember that. I know, I don't think you remember a lot about this. I film. don't, I don't. I remember. That's why I think it'll be interesting watching it, because I don't think you remember. Yeah. Uh, so there's stuff set on location in Iraq. The use of live special effects. Do you know what that means? No. Uh, basically, uh, what would be a good example? Like, you are filming special effects at the same time you're, doing the scenes okay so like if you mess up the special effects you have to reshoot the whole scene and sometimes you can't do that oh okay so like if you had okay very famously if you set up like i don't know if i want to give this as an example because i'm not sure if you remember it happening in the film oh so i'm gonna make up an example okay? uh, you just make something up just like give me give me an example of it that has so, nothing to do with any of this like a practical effect right yeah would be like if someone starts gets stabbed in the chest right and they start bleeding a lot right? yeah sure uh, or like if something bursts out of their chest and they start bleeding a live special effect would be like you're shooting the scene and halfway through the scene, blood starts shooting out of this guy's chest, right? Yeah. Well, that's live. You're filming the scenes. You're not doing this separately. So if his effects like aren't working- You just have to scrap it and start over. You have to scrap it and start over. Okay. Which is bad because sometimes you can't do that. For instance, if you're exploding a building- Yeah, or a car. Or a car. Yeah. You've lost that whole shot if it's fucked. It's important to know because it makes things more difficult because you'll have all the actors there. Yeah. Things can go wrong. But also, it sometimes means you just keep random shots that you might not otherwise. So, live special effects. The use okay. of real priests and medical personnel in parts of the film. That's cool. Pretty cool. That is cool. Primarily, the big one is real medical staff. Which, one of the cool things. During the medical scenes, using and featuring actual specialists and procedures, he went to a hospital to film. Yeah. And he watched the procedure that they're performing Whoa. in real life and then had actual specialists reproduce it. Reproduce it. Like that's, actual doctors reproduce it. That's actually it. really cool. They didn't do everything because obviously they can't be jabbing people with real needles. Yeah. So those parts are fake, but everything else is real. Oh, God. And it's a it's a, it's a very famous scene there mm-hmm. because it's like a time capsule of old like medicine from the 70s. Yeah. Because certain things they do, we don't do anymore. Oh. But it's on film. Interesting. Which is really cool. That is cool. With that being said, some of the medical stuff is pretty disturbing for some people because it's pretty <sighs> realistic because yeah. it is. But during the procedures, Paul Bateson can be seen, an eventually convicted murderer playing his real life job as a radiographer. Wait, really? Yeah, he's considered, I guess, technically a serial killer. I mean, Holy he only shit. killed like two or three people, but yeah, he's, he's That's in this movie. That's nuts. Yeah. There's a bunch of weird stuff about The Exorcist. Part of why it's considered a cursed film. Again, death. There's an actual like murderer just walking yeah. around in the background a, of this a, movie. A baby serial killer, but yeah. Holy shit. All right. That's wild. Pazuzu. Love Pazuzu. Uh, the spirit featured in the movie. Oh, I I forgot. I know. That's what it was called. I'm, just get, I'm giving you more spoilery <clears throat> facts than I normally do, because I try to keep mm-hmm. facts with spoilers out of there, but since you've technically already seen this. Technically. I'm 
I'm leaving out the big ones because I know you don't remember anything. I, can I be real? Yeah. The, honestly, all I remember is how parts, scary it was. How scary it was, and then parts of the beginning. Yeah. But not the very beginning. Like parts of the first times, like he goes into the house and stuff. Yeah. And then I I remember the the uh the projectile vomiting stuff. Oh, so you do remember it? That's what I, the example I was going to do. Oh, with the projectile vomiting. Yeah. Um, I remember watching that. The wrong then, person gets hit. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. But they kept the take because the person was so disgusted because they weren't supposed to get hit. That's awesome. That's like what I was gonna issues. get at is I remember witnessing the projectile vomiting, going "fuck this" and leaving. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you haven't seen a lot of the movie, but the the spirit in the movie is called Pazuzu. Okay. And not really a big spoiler, but the spirit featured in the movie is loosely based on the ancient Mesopotamian personification of the southwestern wind, who shares the same name and statues, iconography, this stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Like an actual demon in Mesopotamian. Mm-hmm. Demons are rough translation, but it's well, like yeah. Uh, a deity. Right. In interviews with cast and crew, Friedkin, the director, is noted as having been rather temperamental and unpleasant on set. Oh. And he did a bunch of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. He filmed certain things in freezers with temperatures like below zero so that everyone could look like they were cold and you could see their breath. Oh my God. A bunch of stuff. He was like a crazy director. And I want to mention this because certain directors make amazing movies, but they're very unpleasant to work with. Yeah. The really big one, Kubrick. Yeah, I've heard some Who, horror stories. He has so many horror stories about working with him. Yeah. Like, just horribly unpleasant dude. But he makes great movies. And I think that's something important to mention here. Yeah. Because this movie, great. Potentially considered an amazing masterpiece. But that doesn't mean it was pain-free. Yeah. That's not always fair. All Especially right. to the actors and stuff, too. Like, it sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's children in this one. Yeah, that, too. There's I didn't some, even think about there's that. There's some messed up stuff. That happens, but to the actual real life actors. But uh, the film is famous for the adverse effects allegedly experienced by viewers during screening of the film. <laughs> like vomiting, passing out, all that stuff, seizures. Awesome. Kind of the same stuff we heard uh, about Terrifier 2. Terrifier 2. But like, we have not fucking watched it yet. And allegedly I, more real. I want to watch it. I want to watch it so bad, Ben. I've seen it. Yeah, I know. I couldn't see it with you in theaters. I know, I know. There is a notable controversy surrounding the film receiving an R rating from the MPAA uh, ratings board rather than an X rating oh, that the film was thought to have deserved. I didn't read too much about the controversy because mm-hmm. it's like a, it's an actually really it's like a one. real big thing. Yeah, and to be honest, I can definitely see why this probably should have been an X rating movie. <sighs> Uh, maybe not necessarily Fuck. by today's standards, but there's some gratuitous stuff in there. Yeah. Um, and people are upset, obviously, because very violent. And children can technically see it if it's R-rated, as long as you go with an yeah. adult. It's um, not NC-17. Yeah, that's what X-rating is. Well, yeah. But from what I understood, the board kind of like allowed it to be R-rated because they kind of struck a deal with Warner Bros. Because oh. X-rating movies, NC-17 movies nowadays, can't show at most theaters. Yeah, most theaters won't show it because they'll and lose so money. companies will lose a ton of money. Yeah. It's rated that, so, you know. Big controversy there. I didn't know WB, like, produced this. Warner Bros.? Yeah. yeah. I believe so. Uh, the film was the first horror film to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. I... Did not win it. Yeah. It wasn't on our list. But it got nominated. nominated. That's nuts. Especially for a horror movie. Well, a horror movie in the 70s when horror was not respected. Yeah. Associated with porn. Yeah. I, that's I don't know how much insane. we talked about it. but We've like, talked about it. They were considered just as, like, obscene. Yeah. We talked about it in Night of the Demons, I think. This is kind of like the, the big horror film that started to change that. Prior to the 2017 release of It, the new one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The film was the highest grossing R-rated horror film. Wow. And that's unadjusted for inflation. Unadjusted for inflation. <laughs> unadjusted, it was still number yes. one? 
the highest. I can't believe that 2017 it beat it. Oh yeah. Currently, it 2017 is the fifth highest grossing R-rated film of all time at 700.4 million dollars. And The Exorcist is the 29th highest grossing R-rated film of all time. Hmm. Okay. The highest grossing R-rated film like of all time is like Deadpool or something. That makes sense. But it's only at like a billion. Yeah. So hmm. I think it's interesting that The Exorcist is still on that list. Yeah. At 29. It's the it's the next horror movie down from it. Yeah, man. That's insane. Yeah. All right. In 2010, the Library of Congress selected the film to be preserved in the National Film Registry. That makes sense. Now, back to this whole money thing. Yeah. I was trying to figure out like, hey, what would this money amount be adjusted to inflation? Sure. And um, I couldn't get some calculators to work online because... Because it's such a large amount. It would, the number was so big, your calculators couldn't do it. They just wouldn't do it. That's because they're they're meant to handle like a hundred bills and stuff like that. That's nuts. I'm sure I, if I spent longer doing it, but I spent a long time doing this. Yeah, understandable. Because you know I have to read stuff and then write it out. But mm-hmm. I was kind of googling and I was seeing if anyone had done it already. I did found a couple articles that had like adjusted for inflation for this movie, mm-hmm. and on those articles it showed up as the ninth highest grossing movie of all time. <sighs> When Holy adjusted for shit. inflation, um, god damn, it was like a hundred billion. That's plus. crazy, or not a hundred billion, a billion dollars plus in revenue. However, mm-hmm. those films were factoring the gross of the movie as only two hundred thousand. Oh, or two hundred million. Okay, instead of four hundred and something million. Whoa. So I assume that the actual would be like two billion. But yeah, okay. beats out Snow White. The Seven Dwarfs. That is crazy. Yeah. I just think that's interesting to note because unadjusted for inflation, it's only like the 29th. Yeah, but adjusted, it's fucking But adjusted, high. it's one of the probably the highest grossing movies of all time. Yeah. Wow. Not even just R-rated of all time. That's nuts. I We've been hyping up this movie the whole time we've been talking about Not it. Not so good. I, I'm excited. I would be lying if I didn't say I was pretty scared. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to say this. This movie's so famous and so much has been said about it. I can't say anything good about it, even with the, my research. Like, this was baby research. These yeah. are just kind of fun facts for Bob. Yeah. Uh, if you actually want to know a bunch about this movie, there's a ton of other more well-done stuff you can watch. Yeah, we are not this. a... Uh... <laughs> we're more of a we're review not a... podcast and not a fact podcast. Yeah, but... we don't really... And we'll look at information. We're working but... on that, but this is a hobby for us. So I will say, if you really want to know some stuff about this movie, there's plenty of stuff uh, where you can go and learn a bunch about it because there's yeah. tons of stuff written about it. There's tons of podcasts that cover it. It's very interesting. I mean, there's that Curse Films thing. That yeah. There's an episode on it, an hour long, that focuses just explicitly on the problems with it. That's so, so like, fucking wild. Tons of stuff. Uh, and if you're really interested, go go look at that stuff. But that's all I got for our intro stuff. Um, I guess, are you ready to watch it? <laughs> The answer is no. All right. So, but we're, we're still going to go, go watch, watch it. it. So, we'll be back in for you, I guess, a couple seconds. <laughs> like three to four seconds. Yeah. Yeah. See you later. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching The Exorcist. Yeah. We just finished. <laughs> Dude. Are you good? He was like a little mostly drained. It's fine. Okay. Well, Ben. Yeah. What did you think? Because uh, you've seen it before. Yeah. I want to know what. How many times you've seen it? Probably a couple times. Probably, but not in years. Really? Yeah. What did you think rewatching it? Because I would like to know your rewatch thoughts. I mean, I think it holds up. I like it. I. I. We talked about it. I went into this one super scared. Yeah. The, you. You said this was the scariest film you'd ever seen, and I think I've told you. I don't think I've done it on the board. I think I've told you off the board that this is not going to be the scariest film you've ever seen. Yeah. It does. No. It. It. And watching it, it is not. 
Yeah. It just scarred me as a child. Yeah. I think that's how some movies are for a lot of people. Because while I, without spoiling anything, I don't think this movie is very scary. No. A lot of the fear with this movie is a hard for us to grasp because it's so old. Yeah. And certain things that would have been scary back in the 70s is not scary now. That's a point I always come to. Uh, but also a lot of the, the scenes and the imagery we see are so overdone now because they're so yeah. popular. That's also part of the issue. It's fair. While I did not find this movie scary, mm-hmm. holy shit, this is a good movie. It's very good, yes. Like, I talk up Halloween, fuck me, this movie's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's... <laughs> like... It's very good. Oh, my God. There's so many, like... I can tell that a lot of people put a lot of work and effort into this movie, mm-hmm. and it, all of it paid off. Because some of the shit that we see in this movie, I'm just like, I literally open mouth gasped a couple times because I was like, "Are you fucking serious? That's Did awesome!" I, I didn't see. Yeah, there's just a lot of really cool shit in this film that a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of modern other modern horror movies take from this movie. Yeah, which is super cool to see. Honestly, I mean, we talked about it. This is a big cultural milestone. It is, and I see why having watched it. I'm really, really glad we watched it actually. Because I'm gonna be honest. We had never gone to it on this podcast. I would have never watched it again because I was too scared. I think genuinely too afraid. So I was like, it has to go on at some point because Bob won't watch it by himself. I won't watch it by myself. Do you have anything else to say before we kind of get to the spoiler section? Yeah, I have. I have uh, one or two things. First okay. of all, non-spoiler thing: the sound in this movie. There were well multiple done. times where I was like astounded. As someone who was an audio engineer, technically, technically, I was paid for it. Okay. Yeah, that's how like I'm paid to be a driver. <laughs> Yeah. Well, like, I actually worked on shows and stuff. Like, I, you know, the amount of the attention to detail in just the sound alone is with the music and the sound effects and everything they did, all of the ADR they had to do for the voice, uh, vo- like, voice changes and stuff. And, like, oh, yeah. The the movie isn't heavy on music, but there's a lot of sound design that goes into it. Yeah. From sound effects to random background noises. You only hear music once or twice, and it's just the theme. Mm. It's just the theme that, you know, the, uh, the classic you, Exorcist you theme. You hear it at the beginning. I think you hear it at the end. That, at the beginning of the end and that's it that's it which is super interesting yeah it's uh, mostly pure ambience yeah which is ambience, wild yeah. to listen to it's very different from modern stuff oh it, yeah it, super it's different. well done it's I, I like it a lot actually that some of the actors in this movie are like nuts with how how well done i think some of it is in my opinion yeah it's a lot of it's fairly well acted and that's big deal considering that these actors were for the most part not well known yeah that was my big thing is like these actors are not that well known but the dude that plays Damien, he's crazy. Yeah. It's such a good performance. Like, I bought every bit of it. Oh, yeah. It, they did a good job, and I'm sure that's part of the cast, of, part of partly like the cast and partly just the director. Yeah. And just that combination of mm-hmm. both people getting the best out of each other. Yeah. Even if it's an unpleasant experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I guess, do you want to get into the actual movie? Yeah, we can talk about the movie. I don't know how much we're going to like. Yeah. I mean, my thing with this movie, yeah. So we're not going to say anything new. No, we're not. Like, we're not. And I don't think we'll be able to say it better than anyone who's sat down and planned out a script. Because that's kind of what you need to say something good about this movie. Yeah, it's just, there's so much going on at all times. It's like layers on layers of stuff that it's yeah. really hard to unpack all at once. But, I mean, I think the main takeaway for this, right? Sure. For what for what's going on is that there's two stories being told. Mm-hmm. Do you know what they are? Did you pick up on that? Kind of, but I didn't completely understand it. Okay, so this film basically focuses on two different stories that interweave. Um, the first story, and the very obvious one, is the one about Reagan. Yeah. And she's possessed, right? The second story is the one about Damien, who's having a crisis of faith. Oh, okay. I thought, yes, I understood that. I thought you were hinting at something else. 
Uh, which what, would, what did you think I was hinting at? Uh, I thought there was more to the whole uh, Merriman uh, Iraq coin thing because that doesn't really get explained at all, but like it does at the same time, I guess. I, something that I wanted to talk about and it's relevant to what we're talking about now. Yeah, this movie does not because I talk about it in you. It's in the audio for the while we're watching the movie, but I say it out loud. I go, this movie. There are multiple points where the movie skips points in time, and it's oh, yeah. like just like a couple months later. But there's no prompt for. There has been a time skip. But it's natural. But it's natural. But something else, and including the Iraq Merriman coin thing being related to everything else. It's not a coin. It's a it's a necklace with a... Yeah, what are those called? It's not an amulet. Um, I don't know what it... I, it looks like a small coin. That's why yeah, I keep calling it but coin. But it's on a silver necklace. I forget what that's called. Yeah. It's not a locket. But yeah. But it, it's never explicit in any of that stuff. Like, it doesn't explain away anything. It just kind of shows it to you and lets you make up what you will with it. Oh, yeah. That thing's just a Catholic um, necklace. Is it? Yeah. Well, my point is... It had a, uh, a Mary holding Jesus. Oh, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't tell what the... Uh, I couldn't tell what the actual object on it was. I don't know what language it is. It's probably Latin or Greek or... Probably Roman, Hebrew. But I find that a lot in a lot of modern movies, they will hold your hand. Oh yeah, this movie does not hold your hand, and I think that it pays off. Part of that, I think, is because this is an adaptation of a book. That makes sense. There's certain things that would have been more implicit yeah. in a novel than mm-hmm. in a screenplay. That makes like sense. Time skips. You know, if you have those at chapters, yeah, that, it's that a lot more be... easy to pick up. So that makes sense. Part of that might just be adaptation stuff but i like that it did that something i I have a problem with modern films (laughs) at least modern like popular movies they hold your hand too much in ways that make it make the director and or the writers make poor choices because they think they need to hold your hand with certain information and this movie doesn't do that and i really really like that no it doesn't it's it's very much a interpretation based thing yeah which is super super cool in my opinion like i really really enjoyed that something else i want to talk about i had two things okay we're just okay go ahead (laughs) sorry yeah i've never really thought about the fact that this movie is called The Exorcist mm-hmm. because I guess it hadn't really crossed my mind. I just knew it was called that, right? Yeah. I never really thought about why it's called that because very much this movie is not about... When I think of this movie, I think of the girl. I think of Reagan. I think of the possession itself and that. But the movie, honestly, is not that that much about Reagan. No. Or her... Like, yeah, her being possessed is important to the plot of the movie, but it's very much about Damien and his struggle with his faith and him trying to figure out... It, it, oh, what's the wrong for? Him trying to figure out, is this was this the correct choice that I've made? And am I doing the right thing? And I think that's way more interesting. Yeah, I mean, than at, anything else going at on. At the end of the day, the possession is a. I guess it would be better to say that Reagan herself is a vehicle yeah. for the plot. Because as I, I think it's a good way to transition back into it. But I mean, it's it's basically a story that focuses on two separate narratives. Yeah, of Damien and his crisis of faith, uh, but also Reagan and her family. Mm-hmm. And it it's kind of exploring different things and the tie together is the exorcist. Yeah. Cause Damien's not the exorcist. Yeah. The exorcist is Marin. Yeah. Um, who is furthermore the tie in to the demon. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I think the exorcism is used as a tool in this movie to, to look at other things that are not explicitly the well, exorcism in itself. itself. Is a tool, but yeah. Yeah. Just another tool. But, I, I mean, I guess to break it down, we can break down the different plot stories. we got three of them to talk sure, about. Sure, we can talk about... I mean, let's start... We can start with Marin first, um, since it's the shortest one, if we just go do the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> 
So basically, the cold open is, it opens in Iraq, in like some, it looks like some sort of excavation site. Northern Iraq, yeah. Northern Iraq, and some sort of excavation site, and you see a bunch of people like running around, moving bricks, digging up holes, stuff like that. It's just Mesopotamian ruins, so they're just digging them up and uncovering them for stuff. Just looking for artifacts, different stuff, you know. Yeah. Anything left behind, basically. And while they're doing this, you, it cuts to one of the uh, workers running up and to a group of people, and... I mean, I'm going to be honest, everyone here is not white, so it's very jarring to see a white man standing in the middle of all these people. Yeah. So he walks up to Marin, the only white dude, Catholic very here, old very dude. old white man, and he's like, hey, we found something weird, you should come check it out. Marin goes to investigate, and the dude at the site's like, yeah, it's mostly just old arrowheads, different pieces of pottery, basically normal. Not arrowheads, it's it's pieces of pottery and stuff. I think he does, I think he explicitly he says say arrowheads? arrowheads, yeah. He might have then. All right, well, it's it's fragments of stuff. Yeah. And they're they're it's just stuff they found that was interesting. And they see the amulet, whatever it is. Yeah, it's in the me- in the mess. It's mixed in there. And obviously, uh, Marin takes one look at it and goes, this isn't period. Yeah, this doesn't uh, match the age of all this other stuff. Which means that someone was there and left it there. Mm-hmm. That's really all it is. Yeah. Um, but right where they were digging, he reaches in further and he finds a statue. Yeah. Very specifically, it's the broken off head of a Pazuzu statue, mm-hmm. which is the demon seen throughout of this. It's not named. They, yeah, they never say the name. Um, I imagine they put that in the book where it might be a, just a movie choice choose that one yeah um, well i i think it's because i mean we talked about it but you say pazuzu is like the demon of i think it's like the western winds or western wind western wind and southwestern southwestern wind and whenever we see reagan for the first time being fucked with her windows open and a wind and wind is blowing in and that's kind of a theme throughout the movie is when the demon is about wind will blow through her window that's not even the big one well that's not the big one but that's a big one for me at least i oh, caught it uh the big one is basically we cut to I mean, obviously, Marin's having some troubles. Yeah. And it shows him walking around, and he eventually goes back to the dig site right yeah. before he's to leave the country. And he's standing there, and wind comes towards him. Mm-hmm. And right as it blows him, he turns, and there's a giant statue of Pazuzu. And the sun is, like, setting behind yeah. it. So the statue's, like, backlit, but it's, like, pitch black because the sun is behind it. You, you can't, can't see what see it, it looks it. like. It's just a shape. Mm-hmm. Very cool. That, that's the wind, the, the really big That's the thing. big tie-in, but the- Because the wind- <clears throat> As you said, it it foretells the appearance. Yeah, yeah but yeah, we don't see Marin again till the end. Yeah, he doesn't show uh, back up till near the end of the movie. And it's implied that like he's called in as the exorcist because he has past experience with an exorcism in Africa that took I think, I think six said, months. Six months, which is crazy. And you know he's called in for that and. He's pretty confident, and he knows what's going on. Yeah, he he has experience. I'm assuming he knows what he's doing. He knows, but it, it's very interesting because when he he gets there, Damien's trying to like tell him about stuff. Yeah, and he's very steadfast. Oh yeah. Damien's like, I think there's three things in there, and he's like, No, it's, it's one. It's one, and it it shows a confidence that comes from experience experiencing this but being changed from the experience oh yeah for sure and we even see that during the exorcism like we're not i don't think we'll talk about it now but there's some moments where i'm like holy shit i i mean i think one of the best moments in the film is by the time Marin's there, yeah. Damien still doesn't believe and that there's, you know, a demon possessing yeah. Reagan. He's he's said that, you know, this shows all the symptoms of performing the ritual, but he's not sure if it's an actual possession. Mm-hmm. And it's not till they actually start performing it, and it's also not until halfway through that it's very clearly something's happening. Oh like yeah, the bed for sure. Flies off the ground, but like <clears throat> yeah, the bed hovers. starts floating. Like shit starts happening, and they leave the room. And Damien asks, I think simply like, "Why this girl?" Yeah. And the father is Father Marin's just like, "Well, sometimes they just want you to see the 
the animalistic side of humanity. Yeah. And it's it's he, he gives this little speech that basically it shows so much about what's changed with him as a character. Mm-hmm. Like kind of his past experience with this idea and how it's warped him. And I mean, I think it's part of why we see so little of him because he's already been affected. Yeah. that may, I mean, it may, and it makes sense too. Like him in the now doesn't matter so much. Yeah. It's it's his past that's implied <clears throat> that matters. Additionally, like uh, I guess the best way to put this is there's also some implications about why the demons here and Reagan mm. is it's a yeah to show the darker sides of humanity but it's also because you, you can take some implications of predestination involved yeah yeah almost fated to have happened yeah because you know Mirren found he's he's already dealt with an exorcism before yep with a demon and he has a spiritual moment in Iraq with the demon that mm-hmm. ends up possessing Reagan yeah and that demon knows he's coming oh yeah and I don't know it's 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 well done it's it's really good I it's kind of the background for the whole story yeah it's it's almost the setup <laughs> it's not even like a full story in of itself but no. it's there and you can kind of tell oh yeah for sure especially when we're just gonna skip a ton here because i'm gonna talk about it when damien first shows up at the house he's talking to uh reagan's mom and he's like listen i don't believe this is an exorcism that she needs an exorcism i think you should take her to a hospital spend six months in the best hospital you can put her in and have her monitored and just see what happens it's it, it's not that he thinks he doesn't think it's a possession yeah and it, more so it's not that he doesn't think it's a possession he says that i don't think we should do an exorcism because it'll do more harm than good the mom explicitly asked if he can just do it anyways yes because she doesn't care if it's real but the big point is he's like listen even if i wanted to do an exorcism if i believe that she needed one i can't without the approval yeah. I literally, I need evidence to be able to prove to them that this is worth their time. One of the big things he brings up is if Reagan speaks in a different language, something that she didn't know before. Tongues. Tongues, or a different language that she never learned, or has access to information that doesn't make sense for her to have access to because no one told her that. So this is something interesting that I thought of because, you know, this is 1973 or 74. Mm-hmm. When he goes back in to talk to Reagan, he brings a tape recorder. And yeah. ties it down on the ground and records their conversation. It's not even a tape recorder. It's a real deck. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't know that's... It's yeah. reels. Reels, you know? whatever. Anyway, and something cool that happens in this is he then takes... He records the conversation. They talk or whatever for a while. He takes it back to... I don't know where he takes it. It's the library. Is it the library? Yeah. And he's listening to it with some other dude. And the dude's like... Damien's like, was well, this another language? Like, I don't know what the fuck she's saying. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's another language. English in reverse. Well, no, he says, yeah, that's a language. Oh, yeah. It's English. In reverse. So then he plays it in reverse, and the tie-in here is that the reverse is talking about Marin. It says him by name in the reverse footage, mm-hmm. which is like a tie-in that... Cause can I be honest? At that point, we're super far into the movie, and we haven't seen Marin for like probably an hour and a half or something. Yeah, we didn't know his name at that point either. No, we didn't. You uh, only learned his name 20 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the setup for Marin coming from Iraq to there is is in the movie. You just have to pay attention. Yeah. Is what I was getting to. And it's super cool because, like I was saying, it doesn't hold your hand. It just puts stuff out there and expects you to extrapolate, which I think is really fun. Yeah, it's, it's a good movie for multiple watches. Oh, for sure. You'll pick up something new every time, I think. And just just like kind of learning some stuff and then coming yeah. back to it. But I think that's a good way to transition into the second story kind of in the film, which is Reagan. Yeah. Kind of her possession. And I think it's important to note that when we follow Reagan's story, it's it's less about her being possessed. Yeah. And more about how her possession affects those around her. Yeah. Specifically her mother. And her housekeepers and her babysitter. But even that's secondary. It is secondary. It's kind of how it affects them as a family unit. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned that like Reagan's parents are divorced. Yeah. It's just separated. Her and, her and 
the film kind of shows their home life beforehand, mm-hmm. and then it starts to give hints that things are going wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, and kind of the big focus of Reagan's possession thing, and it makes up the first hour, hour and 20 minutes of the film, is this idea that there's a cold, like, clinicism Oh yeah. to medicine. <clears throat> um, and it, that's kind of what her story's about. It's kind of this idea of, yeah, like, how the effects of, you know, certain conditions can affect a family unit and stuff like that, and how they can change someone. But it's also this, this look at kind of medicine and that kind of rabbit hole of, all right, we don't know what's wrong with her, but we're going to take the most rational option, which is not rational, a possession. <laughs> but it's not. It's this idea that science doesn't always know everything in yeah. the same sense that we as humans don't know everything and mm-hmm. we're just grasping in the dark. Yeah, I mean, and that's I don't know. kind of what that explores in a very cold and clinical oh, way. Oh, yeah. I that was, Some of the medical scenes made me really uncomfortable. I mean, that's, that's how they're designed. That's, yeah. For a lot of people, that's kind of the most uncomfortable scenes in the movie. Uh, there's one during the first radiography where she gets a they tap into her like artery on her neck yeah and it starts shooting blood oh god that one's bad but yeah it's kind of there's well there's a focus on like how her actions are affecting her family and how like reagan's lack of control is affecting her Mm -hmm. there's just this heavy focus on this idea that like people are grasping in the dark with no way of knowing what to do i mean just trying i think Oh, God. Her mom says something like she's been to like 88 doctors or something and none of them can tell her what's wrong with her. I, I think that was partially like exaggeration. I mean, still. But she, yeah, she's gone everywhere. The I, first hour and a half of the movie is them running from doctor to doctor trying to figure out what's wrong with Reagan. And we know a lot of time has passed, too. So, yeah. Uh, but that's that story. I mean... There's not a lot to talk about in that with that one. It's more of just no. like a slow, a slow devolvement to the point of where Reagan like needs to see a priest for an exorcism. It's not even that she needs to see a priest. It's that again, there's this idea of like they're just kind of grasping. Yeah, which again, I think is kind of almost a reflection of the human condition. Of That's true. Just trying to solve your problem by finding what you can. Yeah, and it's it's not that they eventually like, oh, she needs an exorcism. They're not like, well, you got two options. You either try and give her a shock with exorcism. Yeah. If on the off chance she's religious, they're not even saying it'll work. Yeah. Or you just commit her and we keep doing what we are doing. Yeah. And Which isn't working. I, I think the fact that the mom latches onto exorcism is just a further reflection of this idea that everyone's just kind of grasping on the, the easiest option. Because the the scientists keep saying it. Yeah. They're just like, we, we take the easy option or we jump. That's why they, they, they keep doing tests and diagnosing her with new things is because they don't want to jump to a psychologist. Yeah. Because there's an easier option, both to stomach and to like deal with. But yeah, I mean, that that's, that's her story in a nutshell. Yeah. I, there's the only notable thing from that that I really want to talk about because I thought it was a really really cool fucking scene yeah is when she not the P1 because that's just kind of gross but the back like the backwards crawl down the stairs yeah that's a sick scene scene. Reagan kind of backwards crawls down the stairs yeah and Uh, and just her mom witnesses it yeah, but I, I want to highlight that specifically because it 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 is taken Reagan from the point of being a sick child who needs help to I at that point I think no longer a sick child that needs help and switches her to to it I think it's the shift from human to demon essentially yeah I mean there's there's this progression of symptoms yeah from things that seem just like as they say in the film nerve things yeah to more extreme stuff that is like she needs help harder to explain harder to explain yeah um but i i think part of that is there's this emphasis on the fact that when all these extreme stuffs happen a limited amount of people see them so it's true for when reagan acts especially crazy or like the bed shakes yeah or when she 
she walks down the stairs and vomits blood. It's mostly just the mom's. It's just her mom. And every um, time that she tries to tell the doctors like something, the doctors push it off and are like, and again, ah, I think whatever. It's part of that theme of personal experience and belief weaved into even Reagan's story. Yeah. Man, because, I need like, to think about that. That's good. They 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 weave into this idea like the mom sees stuff. Yeah. But she tells herself it it doesn't happen because other people tell herself like yeah. it doesn't happen. And it's only till the very end when she's pushed to her limits it does she start to take what she has experienced herself in a more serious way. Yeah. Like even at some points in the movie, like Reagan talks about her bed shakes at night when she's trying to sleep, yeah. which is why she ends up in her mom's bed. And you you can hear it. The cool thing about the movie is, is you can always hear something before you ever see it, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. But so Reagan's mom come home, comes home and she's like walking around the house and she hears the bed upstairs start rattling. So she runs upstairs and hops on it and is like trying to get her kid off of it while it's like rising and ra- like jumping around and stuff. And she does not want to believe that that is what happened so bad that one of the doctors is like, oh, it must be muscle spasms. And she's like, well, it wasn't muscle spasms. There's no way it could have happened. And the doctor says, well, it must have been. What else could it have been? And she she just gives up on it. She just ignores it because I again there's there's also the theme of like taking the easy way out on things. It's yeah. kind of gone. It's throughout her story. Yeah, and that, that's what happens there. The mom consistently does that, where she witnesses something and she takes the easy way out, which is the the normal explanation for mm-hmm. something. It's it's what she does. It's what the doctors do. Um, I think the only person that doesn't do it is Damien, Marin, and even Damien. Damien well, does yeah. it a little bit, but there's yeah. this idea of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Con- not consciousness, but like conscience and being true to yourself that his story follows a little bit. Yeah. I mean, even the cop like doesn't buy it. No. The cop is like bullshit. But I mean, we see that a lot with the mom. Like, yeah. She sees something and then she throws it away. Like the the earliest one for her is she goes into the attic and oh, yeah. she has a candle and it explodes in her hand essentially. There's a big gout of fire. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, Carl, her manservant, appears upstairs and she quickly doesn't she doesn't even like point mention it, it. she just moves she on kind of ignores it because that's easier to do than to freak out about it yeah it's the blame oh the the bang or whatever on Carl. Yeah. but yeah that's that's that story basically yeah and the last one is the story of damien i and like this one the most personally because i think at the end of the day this is the actual story this is the of movie the film. this is the movie is it's plot yeah it's damien's struggle with faith because he's just having a crisis of faith. Yeah. And basically what has happened is he is, he he's a priest. Yep. Or a Catholic priest, I believe. Or he's Jesuit, but I think he's Catholic. He mentions being a Jesuit. I don't know. But are those the same things? I don't know. <laughs> Genuinely. Right. He's a Catholic priest. Assumedly, yes. He's a Catholic priest. And he was basically trained as a psychiatrist. Yeah. In addition to his priesthood. Like he was a priest and then he was trained as a psychiatrist with the intention of helping other priests yeah. as they go through training. Uh, he works at a... Jesse Jesse looked it up. It's he, called a seminary. He works at... Thank you. It's a seminary. Uh, Georgetown yeah. uh, Seminary. And he's the psychiatrist... For um, Georgetown Cemetery. Seminary. For all the... Uh, priest in training. Yep. It's his job to help them deal with like their problems in a more thorough way than they would get from confessionals. Yeah. Kind of like a therapist. And he says that like a lot of them, their issues are less to do with personal issues, but more crises of their own faith. Yeah. Crises of faith. And it's very clearly taking it out of him. I oh mean, yeah. He's one of the first conversations we see with him. I think the first thing we hear him say is he's, he he's telling his friend that like he can't handle it anymore. 
Yeah, he's like, I... It's just... It's too much. It's too much. And he's having a crisis of his own faith at the same time. And I, I think it's that combination of just seeing people yeah. over and over again have these problems, and it, it it's worn him out. It and eats away at you over time, you know? I think it's also just because he, he has been forced to, as a spiritual person, kind of focus on the not-spiritual side yeah. of stuff, and that's also kind of part of that dichotomy. But uh, then for him, we learn that his mother, who was yeah. ailing... Lives in New York, which is a bit of a distance away. Yep. And he can't really visit her. It's very hard for him to visit. Uh, because, you know, he's a distance away. And he essentially wants to transfer there, so he's close to her. Yep. He talks to and, another priest about it. I mean, it happens pretty quickly for us as the audience. But yeah. it's over a while. But basically, she falls ill. Yep. She's admitted to a, a psychiatric ward. By her by her brother, his uncle. Yeah. Because they, they can't really put her anywhere else. But she can't really take care of herself. Yeah. She's old. And I think they get her home for a little bit, but then she mm-hmm. dies. Yeah, she passes away very quickly. And I think that that's kind of like the nail in the coffin. For really him, at least, yeah, kind of for sure. Hammers home because, you know, more than his own crisis of faith, he's he's left with this idea of, like, what about my mother who's just passed? Yeah. You know, where is she? And, I mean, it, it all starts to come to a head when he he's called to Reagan's mom. Yeah. Starts talking to him about Reagan, and he's, he's acting like a psychiatrist first. Yeah. Because his main concern is not science, like kind of the doctors, but it's the, the well-being of yeah. his patient. And what, so... Something I want to talk about. Huh? You mentioned the well-being of his patient. That is one of my favorite traits about him. Damien. Compared, Damien compared to Marin. Hmm. You can tell during the exorcism at the end, Marin is not doing this because he wants to save Reagan. Marin is doing this because it is his job. I think it's his it job. It is what he's set out to do. But he has his own personal demons. That, and that too. Damien, I can tell, is there because throughout the entire exorcism, he it, it's all, he's more concerned about her safety than actually getting the demon out. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we see that right away because when the mom suggested an exorcism, his first thing is saying is like, exorcisms aren't a thing anymore because we know about psychology. Yeah. Like we can explain all this. And, you know, he's like, I won't come there. And the mom eventually freaks out. And she was like, basically what the mom ends up saying after her big freak out, because she's like, the psychiatrist sent me to you and now you're trying to send me back to them. It's just yeah. help me. Please just help me. Help me at least look at her. And she breaks down. And so he just comes just yeah. to look at her. And he does. And he his takeaway is it's probably not like possession. No. Which is. Yeah. But he's still willing to look at her again. Yeah. On just the slightest possibility mm-hmm. that it could help because that's his primary concern. Doesn't have to be, but it is. Yeah, he's he's doing something out of the goodness of his heart, not because he's being paid, not because he's being like compensated in any way. He just wants to help because he's been given a situation in which he thinks he can. And I mean, I think that ties into essentially his story is yeah, it's it's someone dealing with a crisis of faith, but it's it's more so a good person. Yeah dealing with adversity mm-hmm. you know it's um we want to get biblical it's it's very reminiscent of the story of isaac oh yeah yeah and his father mm-hmm. because yeah that makes sense you know it's you have someone who's faithful and they're presented with challenges and in this case it would be you know the death of his mother yeah or, and feeling guilt because he blames and himself feeling for guilt it. and then you're also presented with like this exorcism and it's like do you have faith or do you not i love how the death of his mom is tied into that by the way oh yeah that's so cool it's his own trauma and i mean um, it's so good miran says it where he's like the demon will try to bring stuff up yeah he's like don't listen to the demon it lies but then he even says Marin says before they go in he's like don't listen to the demon it lies but it will f- mix the truth with the lies to try and confuse you but yeah I, and i mean at the end of the day it's the the possession is like a test for mm-hmm. damien oh yeah uh of his faith and basically can he remain 
not necessarily true to his face, but true to his values. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's his values are the safety of others and doing what's right. Mm-hmm. And basically, I'm going to skip a lot, but the culmination of his story. Oh, it's so is, cool. Like, his, I didn't know how the movie ended. It's so good. The demon starts screaming about him, about his mom. Yeah. In his mom's voice. Yep. And it's too much for him to handle. Yeah. And Mirren basically ushers him out of the room. And he goes downstairs and he is, he's essentially catatonic. And yeah. Reagan's mom walks into the room and she's like is it over and he's like no and she's just like is is she gonna die and, and he also says no he has this moment where he's like i think it's for his character realizing what's important yeah it isn't the possession it isn't anything else it's the child mm-hmm. and so he says no and then he resolutely walks up the stairs he walks into the room sees that Marin's died yeah we don't know how he dies it's never explained i mean assumedly the demon kills him it's implied the demon kills him well because she's and not tied up anymore She's sitting on the side of the bed. He sees that. He tries to save him. Then the demon's giggling about it. Yeah. He freaks out. He loses it. He gets super angry. Yeah. And he goes, you know, because I think he gets really angry because without the father, you know, Father Marin, I don't think he knows what to do. Knows vaguely, but he doesn't have experience. Yeah. He doesn't. I think he realizes that he can't save her by himself. Yeah. And so before we get to this, can we talk about some other stuff? Oh, I don't. I don't want to like interrupt. But I think we should maybe talk about... I mean, you're interrupting, about... but... Well, I'm interrupting for a reason. Oh. Another part of Damien's story that leads up to this moment mm-hmm. that is very important, and this yeah. is why I think he thinks about this, and it's something that we've talked about a lot, or that is in the movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Really early on, like right after they f- like Reagan is possessed, mm-hmm. the housekeepers are not home, her yeah. mom's not home, and she's supposed to have a babysitter. Uh-huh. The babysitter has to go and pick up... I can't remember the babysitter's name, by the way. I don't uh... remember. It's something really basic. I don't remember. It's like Deborah or something. Yeah, it's something really basic. But Sarah. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> but so everyone is out of the house and the mom knows the mom is an actor. We haven't talked about that. Yeah. But the mom is a, a very famous it's not actor. Not necessarily important to the story. Not very important, but it does explain away all the money problem. Like they have a lot yeah. of money. She's got a ton of money. Uh, which is why she can afford to send her all these doctors and all this other stuff and do all these other tests and things. But she, the babysitter leaves Reagan in the care of, oh, what is his name, Burke? Yeah, Burke comes over, which is, I think, the director? Yeah, he's the director of the movie that the mom is working on. Yeah. And Reagan has implied that she thinks that the mom and Burke are trying to get together. But the mom's like, eh, maybe not. So anyway, Burke is there and he's been left to watch Reagan. Well, we're told this. We we're told this. It. We don't see it. But he's not there when the when mom, the mom gets, gets back. back. She goes upstairs. The window's open. The window's open. Reagan's sleeping. Reagan's asleep. Everything seems fine. Come to find out, apparently, Burke, he's fallen having, he's found at the the bottom of these very, very steep staircase. Yeah. Which just happens to be right, the front, the top of the staircase just happens to be right underneath this window in Reagan's room. So it's revealed eventually that the demon. It's implied eventually. It's implied that the demon chucked this dude out the window. Yeah. And made him fall down the stairs. And when he's found, his neck is turned completely 180. Yeah. Which is something we see the demon do a couple of times with Reagan's body. Mm-hmm. Th- this interests the cop investigating it because he's like, listen, this seems like an accident. And he even talks to Damien because Damien's a part of the priesthood that is around nearby and stuff. And he's like, listen, we had, we also saw this, but someone desecrated the church, like put cones over the Mother Mary to give her like big ass nipples and shit. Yeah. And like basically desecrated a big statue. And the cop is like, do you think these two things are related? Like, do you think that he implies, that he implies related. that like they could be related because how does someone's neck end up 180 degrees like that other than witchcraft is what he calls it. So it's like, we got a case of witchcraft and we got a case of defamation of the church. You think this is but anything important? He doesn't say it's witchcraft. He says it's he calls to it look like a ritual. He calls it witchcraft straight up. Yeah, but he he's implying it's witchcraft. So he's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basically, his point is, it's not magic. It's just someone trying to do, like, 
something demonic. Yeah, essentially. Well, literally. <laughs> well, yeah. That's in this case, literally. But these stairs become an, uh, a point of contention because the cop is convinced that Reagan somehow snapped this man's neck and threw him down the stairs. No, the cop is convinced a dude did it. Well, the cop says a very powerful man. Yeah. Implying well, I, that. I think, if you didn't realize, he's suspicious that it was Damien. Oh. Yeah, because Damien's a boxer. He's a really oh, powerful dude. I didn't catch that, actually. That's why he... he there's just that scene of him watching Damien walk away from the house. Oh. Yeah. I didn't catch that. I wasn't, yeah. Okay. But anyway. he thinks it's a priest. Yeah. So we can go back to what we were talking about now. I think that was a that was an aside, but yeah. Well, I thought it was an important aside. I guess, but. Because it ties, because it, it comes back to this. It tells you that this can happen because essentially, but basically Damien has this moment of, you know, he doesn't think he can do it without the father, Marin, to like, yeah. get rid of the demon. So he gets really angry and he basically tackles Reagan to the ground because she's laughing. Well, yeah. the demon's laughing in her body, and he goes, take me instead. Yeah. And we see it go into him. Yeah, that's a, that's a really cool effect. And there's kind of this moment where he fights it. He does. He he screams no and, like, changes from demon form back into human form for half and a second. It, he has, I think, this moment where, like, he's basically fighting it off. I'd assume because he's a priest. Yeah, I assume he has. And the well, the cool thing is, I didn't notice this. I, I didn't notice this before, but I guess the reason the demon couldn't possess the two priests is because they were wearing crucifixes. Well, because Reagan reaches up and rips his crucifix off his she neck. She doesn't rip the crucifix off the neck. She rips that amulet off his neck. Oh. Of uh, the Holy Mary holding the baby. Ah, I thought it was a crucifix. I um, couldn't tell. And she rips it off. Then the demon can finally go into him. Yeah. I think part of that is, though, he's more accepting of it. Yeah, I mean, he's ba- he literally screaming, telling it to come in. Yeah. I think he kind of subconsciously fought it off some, and then he kind of yeah. has that realization. It goes into him, and he jumps out the window and kills himself. Which is, which I said, holy shit, I didn't know that's how this movie yep. ended. And he f- tumbles down the stairs. It's a good, it's well done. It looks good. And when he gets to the bottom, he's bleeding to death. He's mm-hmm. still semi-conscious. He's and alive. His, his friend comes up drier yeah. and basically gives him his last rights. As he's dying. Um, That's basically the end of the movie. Yeah, that's it. I think the last thing to talk about before we kind of close up Mm -hmm. and go to our kind of ratings and stuff. Um, Two things. First of all, with the the pendant getting... It's a pendant. That's what it is. (laughs) The pendant getting ripped off his neck. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is intentional. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's the same one we see at the the original dig site. Yeah, it's the same one that Marin found. And kind of what we see is the fact that when the pendant gets ripped off of Damien, he's kind of... The demon can go into him. It's kind of like a protection, right? Yeah. When the pendant is removed from the dig site, because we know it's found there... Yeah. It's kind of removed. That's when uh, Mirren goes in and finds the statue. It's only after he's found this pendant. Oh, interesting. And he pulls out the statue. And I think there's probably some correlation there between of like someone had essentially sealed it there. Yeah. You know? To try and keep the demon up. Because it's it's not from the same period. Yeah, that makes sense. It was put there by someone or left there by someone. So I thought that. about that. That's cool. Um, maybe I'm reading into that wrong. But that's No, something. I mean, it makes sense. I, I, I questioned why something not of the same period would be found on the dig site. Yeah. Too, I mean, but I just didn't really. It's not explained entirely, but no, it's 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 either there randomly for no reason or it's there purposely. Yeah, you know, and obviously it's a movie, and there's the whole I believe it's Chekhov's gun. That's the rule where if it's in the movie, it has to have a purpose. Yeah, if it's what if it's done well, and this one's done well. Um, but the thing I want to mention before mm-hmm. we kind of close up with this film, and I obviously we haven't covered everything in this. No, we skipped quite a bit. We didn't really even summarize it like we normally do. Because no, we just skipped around to the things we thought were important. I don't know. There's there's no way I think we can cover this professionally at the level of skill we're at no because there's uh, so much going on this movie is so dense and you, i mean you, hell you, you definitely watched, need a couple watches for we it. watched two and a half hours yeah we watched the like the director's we watched cut the director's cut it's two hours 12 minutes two hours 12 minutes long slow mm. 
good slow. Yeah. There's good slow and there's bad slow. This movie's good slow. And, you know, I don't think there's a lot we can do to kind of break it down. But one of the things I want to mention mm-hmm. before we move on is the subliminal imagery kind of throughout the film. Basically, once we're in, back in Washington, right? In yeah. Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Every time the demon's presence is implied, the screen will flash his face. Yeah, that fucking scared the shit it out of me the first Bob. time. Um, but I, I think it's just something important to note, is it's whenever the demon is acting up. It's yeah. not even whenever it's there. It's whenever it is very active active and doing something bad powerful <laughs> yeah i yeah, guess yeah, like yeah. affecting the the physical realm yeah like being, the lights flicker moving stuff place like the the big one is uh the mom walks into the house one time the lights are flickering the phone yeah. call rings nobody's on the other end of the phone, phone. call the phone rings yeah Lots of stuff, and you'll see the demon's face flicker. Yeah, something cool about that. Something I hadn't really considered when the when I was when we watched this movie was what it, what effect it would have on other popular movies interpretations of demons. That fucking face. They basically ripped that for Night of the Demons for Angela. Well, part of that that that, uh, that style of face in demon demonic presence. So part of that, right, is really cool. Is that's how kind of we identify throughout the the film the idea of the demon. It's yeah. kind of to get that that image in your head. Mm-hmm. And so gradually throughout the film, we get to see uh, Reagan's face slowly start to resemble that. Her oh, eyes yeah. change. She becomes more sallow. Yeah. Uh, she gets wounds on her face. Her teeth change a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you see it, but there's a second at the very end when they're doing the exorcism and they're trying to call the demon like to the front and then yeah. out of her. You see like half of her face start to melt into that Yeah, no, image. I saw it. I think it that's was cool. really cool. It was really cool. And... I'm going to mention it. I'm not even going to say anything. The best image in the film is halfway through the possession. They look up at the bed. There's a statue of Pazuzu in the background. Oh, yeah. And then the demon kind of sitting up and writhing on the bed. Yeah. Because it's, it's not it's, her because it cuts to the next scene. And, and she's, she's laying still down. Laying down. Up. Bound arms and yeah. legs. So, Dude, it, I even looked and you said, that looks fucking cool. Yeah. but It's super good. I mean, that's, that's all I'm going to say. I, you know, I can give a reaction to this film, but it's hard for me to, to do anything too deep without having sat down and written a script for myself. Yeah, and I, I think that's something that we will struggle with at least is this yeah. movie is so dense. Dense. It's a very dense movie to unpack, and if we wanted to unpack it in a very professional, long, drawn-out way, we could fucking have a three-and-a-half-hour podcast. We could just... have a whole podcast on it. Yeah, that's and, what I'm but, saying. Like it, it would require us to sit down and watch it a couple times to take notes. Take notes, do all this stuff. We As are... a... oh, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? I was going to say that's both not our style of film. That that is true. <laughs> but more importantly, uh, I don't think we're at the level of professionalism needed for that yet. Mm-mm. Like as critics and also as like reviewers. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen uh, enough movies to break this down in you an effective haven't. way. And to be honest, uh, not to be mean, but like I can't soundboard ideas off myself. Yeah. By myself. But fair. You know, it's something we work on. So, I mean, that's kind of all I have to say on this film. If you want yeah. a deeper discussion, there's plenty of stuff that has tons of other people probably have already about unpacked it. this. And I'm in sure in a you way could better way than we have get a much better version of our points or more interesting points or, or even, points you've never heard of or even different from ours. But I think that gets us into kind of our closing thoughts, which yep. are uh, who would you recommend this for, Bob? I mean, once again, I've said this so many times we watch a movie that's considered classic. It's a classic for a reason. Mm-hmm. If you like horror, Horror or claim to be a fan of horror, you need to see this movie. Yeah. I, I think this is a foundational piece of media for the entire genre. Like, I, I'm still blown away by how, like, how well made that movie is. Yeah. In a lot of ways. It's very well done. It's just, it's crazy how good it is. <laughs> when you think about horror, you don't necessarily think very high quality, you yeah. know, necessarily. There are some pretty stink- good stinkers out there. 
it's it's not that you think of it necessarily being bad, but you think of it being as a genre thing, as yeah. lesser than other films. Mm-hmm. And this one isn't. And that's why, like, if I was going to recommend this film to anyone, I'd recommend it less as a horror film and more as an actual film. So if you want a film that deals with, like, a mature outlook on, I would say, faith yeah. and kind of adversity and, you know, doing what you believe is right through that, it's a good film for you. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. A ton, way more than I thought I would. I thought I was gonna fucking cry. <laughs> to be honest, I was scared. Wow. I, <laughs> I think if you're looking for a movie that you could, uh, first of all, a long movie. If you want to watch something long, long oh yeah, movie. it's very long. It. I will say it's as long as it needs to be, though. Yeah, no, it doesn't feel rushed or drawn out in any way. It does feel long, but it, it not feels in a bad way. Yeah, it feels long, but in a way that feels like it's long because they took their time. However, I will say, if you were into like high act, high octane, like oh no, movies, it is not. This is not for you. Not an action pack movie. If you want a scary like possession movie, this is not for you either. Because the possession in this scary. movie is very cliche in the sense because the imagery that basically pe- became synonymous with possessions and exorcisms come from this movie. Yeah, it's very. Yeah. So there's the whole scene where she's levitating and they're going. Off the the bed, power yeah. of Christ compels you, and that that's so. I mean, I've seen cheesy that cheesy because you've seen it a thousand yeah. times, but and it's. It's such it's a part of popular media. It's yeah. from this. And so you're not going to see anything necessarily original that hasn't you haven't seen a million times somewhere else yeah. when it comes to the supernatural aspects of this. It's mm-hmm. it's everything else that you're going to go watch this film for if you really yeah. want to enjoy it. Even the cinematography is fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good film. It's just a really good movie. So, uh, rating? Five. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't, man. I, I'm going to say five, too. I mean... I, there's, I have literally zero complaints. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I can't bitch about anything. I liked everything about this movie. Yeah, I don't really have any complaints. I'm sure if I really sat down, I could find some. I'm sure if I were to nitpick through this movie, I could bitch about something. But sitting through and watching it for the first time since I was seven... <laughs> <laughs> and actually making through the movie this time. But I don't have anything I want to complain about besides nitpicking. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's good. It's um, it's really, really good. Like, I, I enjoyed it. It's an emotional film. It's definitely a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. I think the ending's pretty emotional. Oh, for sure. I didn't for tear sure. up, but I can feel my eyes watering. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah. There are some some of the moments with the mom, I'm just like, holy shit. Yeah. I feel so bad for you. Because this sucks. <laughs> I'd give it a five out of five. I don't think it's super scary. I, I can get why no. people in the 70s thought it was scary. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I can I can tell why tell you why my seven year old self and thought I, this was I scary. I get why a kid who hasn't been exposed to stuff would think it was very scary. Oh yeah, for sure. But you know me as I am now, I don't find it scary. I just I didn't think find it very scary. It's either. very well written and well done. And there are some jump scares that got me, like the demon for the first time, because I didn't know that was going to happen. And a lot of the uh, movie was just not me saying me saying nothing because I was just in awe of watching it. Yeah. Like I don't know how many outtakes we're going to have. Probably yeah, not a lot. Probably not a lot. Because we didn't really talk. It was mostly just us sitting here enjoying the movie. But I guess we'll go to those. Yeah, I guess we'll um, go to the outtakes. All right. I'm not sure how many outtakes we'll have, but we're going to cut to that now. So. Yeah, we'll cut to the outtakes. We'll see you in a, in a minute. In a minute. Goodbye. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you've enjoyed our episode on The Exorcist so far. Looking back, not as scary as I thought it was, but still a very, very, very good movie. Without further ado, let's get into the outtakes for this episode. While there are not a lot, because we didn't really scream, there are a couple. This first one is our reaction to Reagan's mother climbing into the attic because she thinks that there are rats up there. Just so happens, it's not really rats. I mean, that that sounds like rats, right? <sighs> 
Don't. No. What are you? She's opening it. I hate people in these fucking movies sometimes. If I heard that, you would never see me opening that. It's just rats, Bob. It's not rats, Benjamin. It's definitely. Okay, raccoons, maybe. Raccoons, likely. It's raccoons with the... That was a good joke. With the belt. I couldn't hear him. And this bitch is... You don't have a flashlight in your house? Nah, she's fancy. She got candles. She's fancy. She's got... I think if you're fancy, you would have a fucking flashlight. She's not, like, super fancy. Yeah. That's untrue. It's called a torch. An electric torch. See, she's not super fancy because she doesn't have a candelabra. She would have a whole... But she has a whole-ass candlestick. Yeah, which is one level of fancy. Oh. You have multiple of those She's not William Fancy Son. Yeah. She's just William. She ain't even Mantis Toboggan. (laughs) You say Mantis Toboggan? Yeah. Okay. MD, medical doctor, of course. It's a doctor of oncology. <laughs> is that? I can't remember if that's what it was or not. No, I think but you're that's right. Still easy enough for it. I think you might be correct in saying that. Actually, it's a virus. I haven't seen an episode with Mantis Toboggan in it in a while. They haven't used the joke in a while because Danny DeVito is dying slowly. Shut up, man! Don't say that. Of age, you're slowly dying of age too. Uh, yeah, and <sighs> you're right. You oh ah Jesus fuck. That was cool. That was a cool effect. And they did it live. I don't know. Probably so just hairspray or something. It could have burnt her. Very cool scene. This next clip is our reaction to Reagan, while she's at one of the many, many doctors that she's taken to, has to have blood work done, and they end up stabbing her directly in the neck, and it causes a lot of blood to come out. Shut up. I wonder why this makes everyone so uncomfortable. It's almost like... Well, there's a reason. (laughs) Oh! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! They they shove a little wire in it. (laughs) What are they doing? They're wiring her. What? (laughs) Why would they do this to her? So this is one of the things that's really interesting for them to watch nowadays, because normally for this procedure, they go in on a, a... an artery much farther away, like in your arm. Yeah, <laughs> this right is going neck. right in her neck. <laughs> yeah. So I was bleeding so much. Look at the spray on that. I know. <laughs> so they did this for real. Like, they actually did this to uh, her. No, I believe that was fake. Okay. That's a real procedure, though. Yeah. And they went to watch it the day beforehand. That's why it's done that way. This next clip is our reaction to the final encounter with the demon in the movie, where... Damien has tackled Reagan to the ground and is fighting her, and then he invites the demon in, and eventually decides the only way to end this would be to kill himself with the demon inside. Oh my god! He's beating the shit out of her! Oh my god! I guess that's one way to complete an exorcism. Holy shit! I did not know that's how that ends. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes from The Exorcist. like two minutes outtakes. I mean, I got pretty freaked out at some of it. Hopefully, you get some of my oohs and ahs. I don't know if you made it. I didn't hear them. I didn't know you did them. Oh, well. You said you did that in the recording. I was like, I didn't hear you. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe not. We'll fucking find out. We'll see. I mean, there was a couple of he got scared, but they're short. Honestly, that movie was not... It was not a good movie for outtakes. It was a good movie for watching. No, yeah, it's it's a good movie. I'm glad we reviewed it. However, it is not what we are currently well-equipped to handle on this podcast. Well, considering The Bay probably got an inordinate amount of stuff stuff for the outtakes. I, not as much as you think. We'll see. You say probably. We've already done it at this point. I guess I haven't listened to it yet. 
but I I will. It's bad. It's Let bad. me just. It's it's rough. Like rough for me because there's a lot of them. Not rough because it's a bad episode. Rough because I had to. I had to sort. I had to swim through a lot of shit to get to the good stuff. But right. well, anyhow, I don't think we have any any announcements this week. I think this is just a normal a normal outro. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything. So check us out on YouTube. Yeah, uh, you're probably watching this on here because we're not on Spotify yet at the yep. time of recording. So we are not on any um, streaming service. Like, comment, subscribe, smash that like button, that smash we- that bell, <laughs> smash. <laughs> Smash anything you can oh on our YouTube page. God. Yes. Get, keep refreshing those videos. Get our views up. Yeah, just like inflate our view count, please. Just Thank you. YouTube algorithm, please. <laughs> please, for the love of God. You know. When we're up on Spotify, us. I will announce that on our Twitter. Yeah, and we'll go up on everything at the same time. Apple, yeah. music, whatever, because it's an RSS feed upload. Yeah. So whenever we announce that, we'll be up everywhere. So hopefully yeah. that'll be nice because I'm tired of watching our videos on YouTube. It's annoying. Not because it's like a horrible process, but just like I, I listen on my phone when I'm at work. Yeah. So it's it's harder to listen to a podcast through YouTube on your phone. <laughs> it is. But you should follow us on Twitter at Beware the Board. Yeah. Uh, we're, if you didn't tell from last week, we're kind of telling what films are coming out in advance. Yeah. So the Monday before a Friday episode, I will tweet out an image. That is, we'll have the spoiler thing over it in case you don't want to see it. Because I know some people want to know what we're watching when we get there, and some people want to know yeah. beforehand so they can watch it and then listen to us talk about it. And it, it's more than the Monday before Friday episode. It's the Monday the week before. Yeah. Because, for instance, for Nope last week, you know, it was the Monday before that Monday. Yeah. So it's just, like, depends on when the episodes come out. But yeah. if you want any other updates, follow our Twitter. It's where I put everything. I tweet out when the episodes go live. I tweet out when we do special episodes. I tweet out polls. I guess he tweets out polls. He's only done it once. So. Well, we haven't had any other ones to use you yet. Tweet out poll. I, t- <laughs> I guess I tweet out poll. Um, but yeah, I guess check us out on Twitter or don't. It's not really the most useful thing. You can just wait, <laughs> see what gets released. I mean, yeah, I guess if that's you want to. I do. I, that is. I record these, so I don't know what's happening. No, Ben doesn't watch an episode till I send him a link. I <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, hey, that's because I get them early. So yeah, he does get them early to listen in case he wants anything edited, but, changed. Yeah, I mean that's all we got this week. You know. Yeah. Uh, if you have any suggestions for a random category for the board. Start posting or, those somewhere. Yeah, send them to us. Let us know. If you have a suggestion for a movie you want us to watch that you think would fit fit on the board somewhere. Or maybe a holiday you or know Or maybe of. a holiday that you think we should do an episode on. Let us know. We'll we'll look into it. Like Ben said, uh, I think you mentioned this in Bay, the Bay when we watched it. This is the year of holidays. We're trying to do every single holiday we can muster to find a movie for that makes sense. Or muster the energy to do. Muster the If we get, listen, I'm not doing, when's National Pizza Day? I don't know. Because I'm sure we could do that one. We want to do Attack of the Killer Pizzas. Is that a movie oh, we can, can watch? Oh, can we do Killer Tomatoes? For the pizza? <laughs> That's funny. I know I, I know we're doing something for a holiday uh, that is not a national holiday. <laughs> I'm not going to mention it on the podcast. Oh. I'll talk about it in a second when we're done. All right. Well, uh, but that, yeah. Yeah. Any suggestions you have for anything, let us know. Otherwise, you know, have a nice week. We'll yeah. see you next Friday. We'll see you next Friday. And remember, always beware the board. <laughs>